ever eager to come up with new and more pointless uses for non-live podcasts. Welcome to Hand of Pod. We record the second half of Newells versus Gimnasia y Grima da Plata. At half time, Newells are 1 0 up, and we're going to be giving you our live comments on this match um, during the course of this podcast. The reason, of course, that this is pointless is that by the time you hear this, if you're really that interested in the match, you'll probably already be aware of what the final score is. We are not at the moment um, from our position in the past, so bear with us. Um, Impressive if we were. It would that would be a real, real plus to our coverage. It would we indeed. Guess Mi- the results. Mystic Sam, unfortunately, is not quite that good. Not uh, although he's, he's getting this one right so far. So there we go. And we'll hear what he has to say about the, the coming weekend's matches later, of course. I am uh, Sam Kelly, and you've already heard the voice of Dan Edwards. Hello and welcome. Or English Dan, as, as he's known to his friends. Um, there is nobody else with us this week. Uh, this week. Uh, we're, we're, we're on our own, and it's it, in many ways a sad occasion. It's an historic occasion on Hand of Pod, because this is the last ever podcast that will be recorded at El Palacio de Cabachito, um, the, the birthplace of the pod. So we have Fernet here, it's unfortunately in plastic glasses, so you won't hear this, but let's just chink. Clink. That's to the uh, the memory of, of the pod. And uh, the memory of Zombie, of course. So Indeed, like, yeah. We, we actually being famous of we, we did say goodbye to this venue um, at the end of a podcast in, what, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Dan is actually moving out on uh, Saturday, aren't he? So yes, this sir. Is, this is quite definitely this the last is, ever yes. episode that will be recorded here, unless we get Gerard back on as a guest for some reason. <laughs> um, it's also historic in Argentine football because yesterday, as we record, which is uh, we're recording on Tuesday, so yesterday is Monday night, San Lorenzo lost in a fantastic match, um, oh, okay. 3-2 away to Quilmes, and that completed a weekend in which, for the first time in over a century of coexisting... Um, how many matches do you reckon they've played all together on aggregate, sort of on a, on average per year? Probably thirty-five weeks on Let's average over the last hundred say, seasons in which yeah. they've all played on the same on the same weekend. You know, discounting relegations and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, mul- multiply nobody. How even, you can include it, really? Exactly, because even when River yeah. and San Lorenzo and Racing were in the B, it, it yeah. didn't happen. Um, and then multiply that by a hundred. So I mean, a conservative estimate, let's say three and a half thousand rounds of football. Yeah, this is the first yeah, time right. ever that all of the big five have lost in the same round of, of matches. So you could say that, so it's a 5 in 15,000 chance what just happened this week. I'm going to trust your mental mathematics on that then. It's, yeah. Um, it's, um, it certainly doesn't happen very often. It's, no, it's, it's your from, from the fact that we've just said it's, it's just happened for the first time ever in over 100 yeah. years. Um, but I think you can, we can all say that since we've been doing the podcast, we've had one big five winner of the league in... What, for years, say so six tournaments. Let's see. We started during the 2010 Donau Apertura, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, Bocca's. Um, that was Bocca. Bocca's anyone in... And then that was 2011 then. Apertura. Oh, you're quite right. Yeah, it was, wasn't yeah. it? But um, since then, like, none of them have won it. And, no, you know, yeah. We've seen one go down to um, to the National League, obviously. Um, two, in fact. 
two going down to the next yeah. yeah. and I think you know it all just goes to show what you know we've said many a time that the big five these days is purely um, a status and prestige thing it's got mm. no reflection on the quality of their games the strength of the teams you know it's you know a very dec- a, a decadent concept I'd say yes uh, five teams you know they have their moments obviously they're, they're all living off past glories to some extent and some are more past than others you know, Bocas aren't so past. The Racing's are definitely very past <laughs> in the Penientes as well, I suppose you could say as well. Yeah, but yes, yeah, I think this is another sign that the Big Five aren't really that big anymore. No, absolutely. And I mean, in many ways. Well, you should probably say it's, you know, would you say it's probably Cinco Grandes? So probably the five greats more than the five big teams. Like, oh, no, I don't tend to. to uh... Yeah. It's interesting yeah. you know, trying to get the meaning of it. Translating over to English, of course. That's true. Yeah, I, I tend to use. To yeah, use me too. Big five. I just thought um, at this point, at this second. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in, in some ways, it, it's a, a sort of a mark of, of how historically dominant at least two of those clubs, and, and you know, certainly, arguably, all five of them um, have been. And, and it's kind of surprising that even though they've, they've obviously dominated Argentine football for a very long time, this yeah. hasn't happened before. And in some ways, it is. Almost surprising that it's not happened at any point, particularly in the last decade. Yeah, I was surprised. I think that's... Well, really, they have. They, they've all yeah. slumped at times, all at the same time. Um, and, of course, one of them in, in the B. So, first of all, Independiente. Dan, I'm sure you're dying to talk about uh, <laughs> another defeat for them. It was 2-1, two, two wasn't it? It went to Atletico Tucumán. Yeah. 2-1. 2-1. 2-1. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely more... I'm happier to talk about that game than what happened in Avicenia this weekend. Well, we're going to be talking about both of our clubs at the beginning. So, first of all, yeah. did you see uh, Atletico Tucumán against Independiente? I did not, no. But I know that Atletico Tucumán beat them at home 2-1, which was the end of Miguel Brindisi. It was. The guy who was drafted in to save him from the, um, from the National B. And according to all sorts of conspiracy theories, he was definitely going to do it. But <laughs> he didn't, and now he's lasted, what, four games without, four games without a win in the National B. And... He's, he's off. Uh, goals from Edgardo Galindez, uh, <coughs> very early on for Atletico Tucumán, and for Martin Morel, um, with, with the, what proved to be the winner right before half-time, uh, Matias Pisano, the substitute, got, got Independiente's um, consolation in stoppage time. Um, but really, I mean, they, they were poor. I, I didn't catch the whole game, but I, I caught decent chunks of it. And mm. At no point did Independiente look like mm. getting back into it. And until obviously the very late goal about two minutes to play and they started throwing everything forward but even then Atletico didn't, didn't look nervous they looked exactly they knew what they were doing they are of course a team who um, unlike one or two of the sides in the Pernet are going to be facing this season Atletico took about were not playing the, the biggest match in their history by playing against Independiente because they've been in the Primera very recently indeed or certainly in the last uh, four or five years uh, I can't remember whether it was 2009-2010 ah, I remember because I went to, uh, to command to watch them play Racing so they got relegated uh, sort of six well five or six months before before we started to record Hand of Pots yes. um, and yeah just good performance from Atletico but very very poor once again from Independiente we were talking last week at, uh, last week on Hand of Pot uh, about just how bad Independiente have been and as Dan says they're now four matches without a win um, the table's still led by Defensa Justicia, who are now on four oh, wins wow. out of four. Um, it would be fantastic to see Defensa Justicia in, in the Primera. Then Sportivo Beirano. Yes. 
Defensio was busy at the Aldo CV 2-1 in Mar del Plata, which is, is where Aldo CV played um, at the weekend. And Deportivo Bel- Sportivo Belgrano, sorry, uh, beat Villa San Carlos 2-0 uh, in in wherever Villa San Carlos play. Is the in the Conurbano, but I can't remember. Uh, ooh, what's the place? Berizo. Okay. On the outskirts of La Plata. Down in the right in the south of, of Greater Buenos Aires. Yeah, I think it's Greater La Plata. Plata. Um, Technically, yeah. So yeah, the, those are the top two, and I'm going to go to command third, just just behind them. Um, for independent, oh, Ferro are doing one as well. Two. Two wins and two draws. Australian yeah. Dan will be happy. Well, I swear, whenever I see the Ferro result, which you know this weekend sums up perfectly, it's always a nil nil a nil nil draw. <laughs> they're a hard team to beat. Let's give them that. A hard team to put goals away, goals past. The reputation they had in the Primera in the mid eighties yeah. when they when they won a couple of first divisions as well was more yeah. back to being very difficult to beat than, than anything else. Yeah. Um, Independiente down in nineteenth in a twenty two team division, but more to the point in the relegation uh, zone. Of course, it's slightly silly to talk about this already, but this is Hunter Pod. So that did bring up a few chuckles last week because their their relegation average. Do you remember what it was? Uh, no. Six six six. Perfect for the Red Devils, let's say. Yeah. And now it's even lower. Now it's uh, exactly half a point per match. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's a relegation average we could work out just from watching it. Two points from four games. Indeed. Point five hundred. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll be coming back to Independiente, of course, later in the season. But the main point is that Miguel Angel Brindisi had his contract... Um, Terminated up after the match. It was initially reported as being by mutual consent, but he was he was on the television yesterday, very angry, saying no, it wasn't mutual consent. They sacked me. Um, who's going to replace him? Carlos Ischia was one name given. Carlos Ischia, yeah, and he goes not very pleased about being linked and no. said, "I don't manage in the lower divisions. What are you talking about? I want the racing job," yeah. uh, which I'm sure it, it dears him no end to Independiente's fans. No, um, the favourite at this point appears to be Omar Di Felipe, yes. who was. As our listeners really should know, and if they don't, I'll be very disappointed. The guy who took Kilmes up to um, to the top division in 2012 and kept them there very impressively last season. And then I can't remember exactly why he left. I'm guessing it was a contract dispute or a disagreement with the president. Something along those lines, but not related to results, let's say. No, I can't remember either, unfortunately. Must have been something to do with that, I'm sure. Yeah. So, and then, if not, the ex always coach uh, Pepe Romero has been linked with um, with the job. Okay. So it appears to be so between two managers two. who actually know the second division. Yeah, uh, two. as well as being good managers. Yeah, it must be said. Uh, yeah, which I think is what in the Benin they need now. You know? Yes, and that's like a cliche, and we hear it far too much with people like Caruso and stuff, who we'll talk about later. Funnily enough, because he's in uncharted <laughs> territory for Caruso. Absolutely, but yeah, they're kind of. Second, you know, second tier coaches. Obviously, these two as well are very good coaches mm. who have done extremely well in the last few few absences, you know, the f- last few employments. But you know, people that know what what's necessary to win in the, in the second division, it's not always particularly pretty football. It's um, you know a lot of blood, a lot of guts, and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Like, obviously, Racing fans uh, are having great fun with it at the moment. Which sort of makes up for how shit they're doing. That's a fantastic segue into how shit Racing are doing because Racing is extremely of, shit. Racing have kind of lived really since the since the 1970s, almost in Independiente's shadow in some ways. 
Uh, not literally, because Racing Stadium is bigger, so it, it casts more of a shadow over the Libertadores de America. Um, but in terms of trophy wins, Independiente have seven Copas Libertadores. Racing, although they won theirs first, uh, have just the one. Um, Independiente have won the league a few more times in the last, what, how long is it? Did now? they win theirs first? No, Independiente won it first. Did they? Racing won the World Cup, the Intercontinental Cup first. Yes, yeah, so th- oh, you're right, yeah, of course, Independiente won it in what, yes. 64 or something, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I do apologise. Um, but anyway, my point is that Independiente have won much more than Racing in the last, uh, certainly, sort of, what, half century, <laughs> as much as that means anything. Uh, but not to be outdone uh, this, this weekend, uh, Racing have also sacked their manager. Was this sacked or was this by mutual? This was sacked as well, yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, Luis Subaldia, tell us about it, Dan. I know that you watched this game, so. I did, yeah. Um, the, it was the final nail in the coffin for Zuelia, who started fairly brightly with a 1-0 draw against Colón away, where Rasinger took the lead and then got picked back, but it was so a fairly all right point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, that first minute was great, and then the <laughs> 359 which have followed have been fairly disappointing. Mm. There's been four defeats on the trot, three in the league and one uh, at home to Lanús in the Copa Sudamericana the return of which we'll be playing just as this podcast goes in London, <laughs> I suppose. Try not to pressure me too much, but well, we, you know, we, we got can't time for us. Yes, you should be able to. And yeah, the final in the coffin was a 2-0 defeat at, at home to uh, Arsenal. And I think we've talked about before, like, I'm, I'm not going to suggest that R- Racing players in any way, shape or form made made the bed for, for Suelia, as we say. <laughs> Uh, you know, set him up for for a second, but in the first goal, it really did look that way. Did you catch it? Um, the first goal was the really the one we did truly bizarre offside, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah, I can't remember who gave the pass, peculiar. but he basically. You know, it was Rolle, wasn't it? Yeah. Rolle, Rolle made a pass to to Martina Rolle made the pass to the Arsenal forward, who realised he running onto the ball, but before he touched it. Realised yeah. that he was in an offside position, so stopped running, held his hands up yeah. to make clear he wasn't taking part. Well, and now Rolle to run through onto yeah. his own pass. Yeah. With Racing's defenders just. No, uh, it wasn't. Wait, Rolly was the one who put it in, right? Yeah. No, he didn't. He passed it on and Rolly scored. So this mystery man passed it to Rolly who converted. The point was our mystery man. Ah, sorry, right, yeah. Made the pass. Uh, Arsenal's forward was offside. Racing's players stopped because they were expecting the flag, but the forward, you know. Sam said, held his hands up, got out of the way, as Racing carried on sleeping. Mystery man carried on and picked up his own pass. Then suddenly the Racing players jumped into action, and, but it was too late. It was already two on one with Saka. Ball out to the right. Rolly had pretty much an open goal and, and tucked it away. Absolutely no. amateur. I remember being told yeah. when I think I started playing schoolwork football at eight years old. I think one of the first things to tell you is. Play to the whistle. Go on, play to the whistle. Don't stop, don't stop, play to the whistle. And that was when, you know, when you don't even have have sides. Mm. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, you know, absolutely, you know, schoolboy, basically. Let's, yeah. let's call it schoolboy. And then, but, then the Racing were a bit unlucky, like, hit the post with um, a very good effort from, oh, Christ, from Rocha Martinez, it could have been the sub. Okay. Who um, got onto a Depol free kick, hit the post, and then... I can't remember who put the, um, the rebound in, but that one was clearly offside. Mm. Uh, Vieto, I think it was. And then just, you know, 20 minutes before Goal time... Annual, sorry to interrupt. Oh, we are doing these non-live updates. Two-nil. 10 minutes into the second half, and it's 2-0 to Newell's now against Gymnasia. With, who is that? Did you say? 
This is the difficulty of watching on mute, isn't it? Yes. No, we'll tell you in a second. We will indeed. But then, yeah, then Rolian basically sealed Zubadir's fate with what was a lovely second goal, cut him from the right and just curled it round Saka. Oh, it's Maxi Rodriguez. Maxi Rodriguez. How could we not, know, could we not recognise him? <laughs> yeah. Ben Affleck look like. Indeed. Um, yeah, but I mean, all, all in all, not a great performance from Racing and another kind of fairly directionless one without a plan B, without... No, without a plan A, real, to be honest. Exactly, without any real kind of idea of, of what to do with, with these enormously talented players who Racing have. Um, yeah. I think that, well, if there's any sort of plan, it's this kind of to go out and, you know, wait for the opponents to make mistakes... It's a mixture of waiting for the opponents to make mistakes and waiting for one of Racing's admittedly supremely talented kids to do something outstanding mm. and, and open the scoring. From there, the, the, the opponents will start getting a bit ragged, a bit stressed, and then plan the counter. If there's any sort of plan in Racing under Zuelia, that was it. And yeah. obviously that's immensely flawed. You know, there's no plan B if you go behind, no plan B if the team... If the away team's strong in defence, there's no plan B if, for anything if the kids aren't on fire, which has happened a few times, um, especially with Centurion, I think, we can mm. mention since he came back from that ankle operation, which was for a congenital disorder. Uh, he hasn't really been the same player, like, he's, you know, hasn't quite fired in all, all, um, all cylinders yet. No, it certainly hasn't. So, yeah, I think almost all Racing fans, they're pretty unanimous, like, they were happy to kind of see Zubaldia given a chance because they know exactly what it's like to get on the manager merry-go-round and change it every three months. But at the same time, you know, there was a lot of annoyance, at just just the lack of any real kind of like collective idea, you can say. Yeah, and another man who who has strong opinions on on the managerial merry-go-round is Marcelo Bielsa, who who was fairly unequivocal apparently from what you were telling me before we recorded when Racing called him up and offered him the job yeah. today. Yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, you've got to give marks to the Racing directors for being ambitious. Yeah. So I don't think anyone would have bet on on Bielsa going to Racing. Maybe, you know, he would have been, uh, pardon the phrase, um, seduced by the kids. <laughs> but but not even that, he kind of, he picked up the phone, said to him, look, uh, if you say you've got some sort of grand project in mind, then why are you sacking your coach after four games? And then had a phone and presumably went back to reading Tolster. So they go for the next best thing, it would seem. Uh, um, very yeah. BLC star manager um, in his own right, Claudio Borgi, the, the former manager of Chile, um, as well, of course, as the former manager of, of Argentinos Juniors and of, of uh, Boca Juniors. Yeah. Um, and Independiente. And Independiente, yes, I forgot about that. Mm. Um, the, the Racing directors have flown across the Andes, as they say in Argentina which means to Chile, they don't like to mention the word Chile uh, yeah. in Argentina, they don't like them, um, to, to offer Borgi the job, and it seems like he's going to accept, which means that Carlos Ischia is going to be disappointed in his desire to, to get the job himself. Um, how do you feel about Borgi, Dan? I, uh, I like Borgi. Like, I've always been a fan of his football. I think he likes to play an attractive, attractive game, like, likes to pass it around. And he's also a big, big fan of the three-man defence, mm. which would be very interesting if he tries to implement it in wrestling. Because by my count, we've got a total of four central defenders in the squad, and yes. one of them's a youth player who's not that good. Mm. Well, no, you know, there's a few that aren't very good. 
So, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a shock, like, actually coming under a coach who's kind of got a system in mind and, you know, an idea of play in mind. But, honestly, I, I couldn't tell you how it was going to go. I thought, no. you know, starting the season, Racing were in for, um, for a pretty decent one, and now, you know, four games in, it looks like it's all spiralling and going to end in flames. Indeed. But, who knows, it's, oh, at the same time, you know, there's four games gone in the season, how much can you say? And on, on, on that same note, another side who we thought we were going to do much better and we thought had made among the best signings during the winter transfer window and to a distinctly underperforming so far, another one of the big five. You may have noticed that we are sticking to discussing the big five um, uh, and, and, and their defeats. Uh, River Plate, finally, at long last, Teo Gutierrez was, was cleared to play. Uh, Thursday night, River didn't have Teod, but they did have uh, Rodrigo Mora, and they beat San Lorenzo 1-0 in the first leg of the Copa Sudamericana um, qualifiers. That was River's first away win against San Lorenzo since, do you know when? No. April 2004. Uh-huh. Nine and a half years ago. Um so from that point of view, you know, very very happy. It wasn't a fantastic performance, but perhaps just helped to lift them psychologically a little bit. It was also Rivers' first away win in any competition in eight, eight attempts. Um, and then they played Colón at home. Colón, poor at home. River haven't lost in the Monumental for 16 matches. Uh, River dominated possession, had far more shots than Colón and lost 2-1. Teo Gutierrez scored the only River goal on his debut with about five minutes to go. Um, but there were two goals for Colón from Facundo, Facundo oh, and Ruben Ramirez. It's kind of bizarre because in many ways River, in, in midfield at least, looked competent. They were passing it to each other rather than the opposition, which is an improvement. But they were improving from an incredibly low standard and they still lacked any kind of creation. For all of the shots that they had, there were only two or three um, sort of half chances um, albeit Herman Montosha, the, the Colón goalkeeper, did make one very good save from a Rodrigo Mora sort of snapshot in the first half. Um, but the, the thing was, River were playing noticeably further up the pitch than they had previously, um, but couldn't couldn't make it through Colón's very well organised um, backline. It was obvious that Colón were fully prepared for this, and I mean, in that res- respect, Tail, I suppose, had the effect that I, I said he would have. Last, last week in, in terms of leading River Ford and giving them more presence in that area but they still clearly need to do a lot of work on their ideas in the final third not how they're going to take advantage of that because um, yeah. it, it was really really poor stuff from them behind midfield particularly they, they were not fantastic in defence it must be said uh, did you catch any of that one yourself Dan? can you give us a more uh, a less biased view of it perhaps? I w- well I watched the first half from the office on Sunday and then I kind of I skipped out before before it got good, let's say. Mm. But no, I think what I saw from River, like it's another team, just the same as as uh, Racing, and you could probably say the same as Independiente. It just they seem to, you know, they go out on the pitch and everyone tries to play, but there's no kind of idea, you know. That everyone's no going forward. Yeah, there's no, no connection, you know, especially in the defence, like you know, uh, Leonardo Ponzi have been chucked into right back and. You know, for the lack of a replacement for Mercado, who's injured or suspended? He's injured at the moment. Injured. And In fact, he was on the bench. He's, he's not match fit yet. Okay. Um, he, he, he's been injured for a couple of weeks. Right. He was only on the bench uh, last week. Yeah. So, you know, you take one of the guys who really kind of bosses the midfield for River, like a real kind of like general, if there's one in the team, stick him out of the action at right back, and 
yeah, you can see the difference. It was another pretty... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say River have been playing badly, but I thought equally in the win against San Lorenzo and the loss against Colón, it's just very mediocre, very kind of speculative way of playing every time. Very one-paced as well. Very, yeah, very one-paced. Like. And I, as I say, I think with time, give him a few matches and, and Teo's going to start to make his, his presence felt. I mean, as, as you know, Dan being a Racing fan, he, he can make that difference to a side. Um, that's a lot more venom up front, but it's, it's underlined by the fact that we had a fantastic goal on Friday night from David Tresegue, uh for mm. Newell's old boys who, oh, who beat um, they beat Atletico Rafaela um, 2-0 in Rafaela with Tresegue scoring in about the 87th minute absolutely brilliant volley from the, the edge of the box straight up into the top corner of the of the goal across the goalkeeper um, yeah, and, the and I think the, the weekend just gone uh, one of the stats that I saw was there were 12 it might be in the weekend gone or it might be in the, in the championship so far there have been 12 goals scored by strikers who were let go over the winter transfer window by either River or Boca um, okay. Santiago Silva David Tresiger yeah. uh, you know uh, add more up the, the, the players who, who those two um, clubs have let go have scored and as, well so far. as fun as money hit the target yet for I'm not sure who played for the weekend, actually, I must have been well, I was never really sure if he was playing for, um, for River, to be honest, so we'll have to see. <laughs> Fairly sure he's not scored for Benfica, because I think we would have heard about that, but I, I don't know oh, whether sure. he would be played last or not. the news. Indeed. Um, but yeah, River just, as we say, lack of ideas. Yeah. Um, well, I think so. And one of the questions that, that's, that's being asked, I suppose, is if Ramon Diaz was not Ramon Diaz, would he be coming under pressure now? Because his you know, River start okay they've What's won one match one, but it's not been an awful one win one draw two defeats exactly yeah it's not been you know it's not been much better than, than Racing's okay River have, huh. they've won a match but apart from that looking similarly directionless uh, and yet Passarella now is talking about renewing Diaz's contract yeah. and taking him into the middle of 2015 as River manager well I think there's a whole different context to what's going on in River at the moment which is obviously the presidential elections which mm. are happening at the end of the year and Passarella like any good pop politician has decided to uh, you know hitches hitches colors to you know someone else's more marketable more um, more popular more more fan friendly brand and that's Ramon Diaz for him Indeed. so I think we can say that Diaz definitely won't be leaving until after the elections no. because Passarella won't be the guy who's, who sacked Ra- Ramon Diaz it'll be political suicide precisely even even though Diaz maybe needs to possibly to bring a, a few new ideas in Oh, that was a very good clearance. Yeah, this is what it seems for Diaz. Like, third goal. I mean, I've been watching him, I think, I saw him at San Lorenzo, and I saw him for Independiente, and I saw him, and I've seen him now at River. And it seems to be just all the same story, you know, when he comes into a team. That instead of bringing new ideas into a team, and new tactics, new systems, he just wants to bring in new players. Mm. Like there's no kind of you know thinking ah oh, we need this it's just like right bring me him 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 and he'll throw ten names into the bag and just see who who lands. He's currently going crazy for Juan Carlos Menseguez, uh, who's a very underwhelming striker, formerly of San Lorenzo. I'm not sure where he is now. He might yeah. still be at San Lorenzo's reserves or something. No, really. Um, yeah. Bizarre fixation which he developed whilst Teo was still unhabilitated, mm. um, and which he appears to be keeping up at the moment now that Teo has been been allowed into the squad and is allowed to play at last well it's one of his old boys from San Lorenzo I guess so yeah he must have seen something we hadn't but he's a very average Premier Division striker indeed and 
yeah, talking. Yeah. Talking of, not, um, so I was going to say, it's not the first time in the last three years or so that I thought, is Diaz losing his touch? It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a growing feeling. I don't know what River fans think, but and talking, can't help avoiding it. Talking of managers who have the greatest moments for one of the country's two giant clubs oh, yeah. um, a long time ago and who are now back in... in uh, in, in charge, we've, we've dealt with Ramon Diaz, and now we should move on to, yes, you guessed it, Carlos Bianchi, because Boca Juniors lost as well. You'd have spotted the pattern if you'd just listened to what I said at the beginning of the show. Um, Boca lost 2-0 away to Estudiantes. This match was mostly uh, notable because Guido Carricho scored two goals, and apparently he's the, only the second ever Estudiantes striker to score twice against Boca and win the match. Um, which I think suggests that some other Estudiantes striker has done it and lost the match or drawn the match um, in the past I don't know who that would be but Carricho um, was also the player who opened the scoring very early on the previous weekend against who did they play the previous weekend Lanús in the 1-1 draw Mm -hmm. Um, three goals in his last two matches and suddenly it looks like Estudiantes might not struggle to score without uh, Duan Zapata after all no, um, we've got a question on that later on, so let's concentrate more on, on Boca Juniors. Uh, Guillermo Bordiso, surprise, surprise, got a red card. Uh, we knew it had to happen to a Boca player before too much longer, and that it was probably going to be either Bordiso or, um, or Matias Carruzzo, uh, the two penalty machines at centre-back. Um, Boca, 2-0 defeat, and after we, we mentioned last week, uh, I mentioned with, with Santiago and Joel last week, that really Boca in their 2-1 win against Atletico Rafaela suddenly looked like Boca again. They looked mm. you know, slick, They're, uh, not exciting to watch, but very d- decent in defence, um, good with the ball. They had the right kind of ideas. They looked dangerous. They looked like nobody's going to come here and, and beat us in La Bombonera for another year after the, the defeat to Newell's in, the, in their second match. In fact. Um, they completely lost it again. In, yeah, in, I can't say. Yeah. Like I must admit, I didn't. I not watch the game, so I have to. I'll have to take your word for this. But still, I think out of all the top five, or the big five, even this, they probably got least. Um, you know, least uh, recriminate themselves about. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any shame in going down to Estudiantes away. But if you tell me that they went down completely without a fight and. You know, kind of folded, then that's that's a different story to go. There are a couple of questions uh, that Bianchi has been having to answer. The most pertinent of which is uh, when Fernando Gago is going to be let into the team again. Um, he's now achieved match fitness. He was on the bench. He was an unused substitute in La Plata. There is talk that he's going to get his his re debut this coming weekend when they play Vélez Sarsfield in La Bombonera. That's a big game. That perhaps isn't going to be quite as, as tough a test for them as. as uh, as it ought to be, given you know, that right. themselves aren't in brilliant form at the moment. So. Oh, unbeaten. We said earlier they're unbeaten. And... Indeed, yeah, but they've drawn three and, yeah. and won one, and I don't think they've looked particularly great in any of those matches, personally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Boca... The, the thing is that the, the ideas that Boca have had coming from midfield, which there's been more creation there than it has, say, for, for River... Uh, where Manuel Lanzini has has been showing only fits and starts of, of what we know he's capable of, but we keep saying we know he's capable of it, and it <laughs> seems to be further and further away in time, yeah. you know, longer and longer before he actually steps up and starts offering it regularly. Um, Juan Roman Riquelme is certainly not a player that you could say that of. Everybody knows exactly what he's capable of, and he's very consistent at delivering it. Um, however... He's, he's picked up an injury in training today. He's a, a major doubt, apparently, for, for the match against Vélez at the weekend. Um, 
And you've got to ask, is Leandro Paredes, um, of course, is, is uh, suffering from a, a cruciate uh, ligament or an ankle ligament injury. I think one of the two of them. He's out until the, for at least another couple of months. Um, picked up in training after Agustin Orion kicked him up the arse oh, rather yeah. violently in a training match in the middle of winter. Um, I think he was trying to tackle him and slipped over or something, <laughs> you know, but booting him up in the air. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what Boca's midfield do. Yeah, they haven't got too many options. Yeah. Precisely. I, I wouldn't be surprised the way that they've been playing and kind of dovetailing nicely together if they give Juan Sanchez Mino a chance as, as a sort of proto-enganche. Really? It might be yeah. a maverick idea given he started yeah. out at left-back and arguably should be playing at left-back. He should be at left-back. He's been playing as a sort of Riquelme's foil in, in the last few matches that I've seen Bok in, and I, I think he's done as well as... Sort of the Erviti job. As a, yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think he's done as well as, as anybody that I've, I've seen in Bok's midfield, who's uh, not Riquelme. Yeah. I'd say, aside from Riquelme, he's the most talented player in that squad, mm. in that team, at least in the first choice team. I guess the other option would be dropping Juan Manuel Martinez back into the into the, the playmaking position and sticking Manu Gigliotti up front with, with Nicolas Blandi. Um, yeah. which would certainly be a, a scary front partnership um, mm. two really talented number nines I think they could play together is another matter but. yeah I reckon so um, well we saw how well Martinez did with um, Santiago Silva some yeah. years in Vélez like. oh no I meant whether, whether Blandi and Gigliotti could play ah Blandi and Gigliotti sorry they're, they're fairly similar kinds of striker yeah. Blandi perhaps has a little bit more subtlety to his game um, <laughs> and Finally, the, the last of the big five that we wanted to run through. David Tresiger has just come on for Newell's old boys, by the way, and to replace Victor Aquino. Um, so we look forward to another stunning volley in the next uh, 17 minutes, which is how long there is left for that. Newell's still leading 2-0 against Gimnasia. Um, finally, the, the last match of the weekend, the last of these big five matches, and the one that, that sealed this historic weekend of all of them losing, was also... Probably the best match of the weekend. Did that you, was did you see any of this stuff? Yeah. Um, absolute cracker. Kilmes had to take the lead three times before they eventually managed a 3 2 win against San Lorenzo, and it was just full of golassos, and it really built up to a crescendo because the very last one was, was the best of the lot. Um, we had an, an opener from Fernando Telecea, which I don't think, if I remember correctly, was, was a particularly uh, remarkable one. No, it was a. It was a, a free kick that came in, headed on by the San Lorenzo defender, and Tedeschi yes. slid in at the far post and knocked it. Still, right. must have taken that. Good reactions. Yeah, um, Gonzalo Veron then equalised for San Lorenzo with, with a really nice run beyond the last defender yeah. and a beautiful curled finish from a narrow angle. Luciano Abecasis, the former River right back, you were mentioning earlier that River don't have cover at, at full back, and they he don't. was let go, moved to Kilmes, um, and scored, I think, the first goal of his. his Professional career. I don't think he scored for the in the Primera for River, um, with a really really nicely taken half volley, just rolled along the ground into the to the far bottom corner. Um, ten minutes into the second half, before Martin Calderuccio equalised for San Lorenzo. I can't remember that goal. No, me. I think it wasn't. No, it was it was a nice goal. Yeah, um, that was that was not a goal I saw. But uh, Arnaldo Gonzalez's winner for Kilmes with about seven minutes to go it really was um, corner taken punch clear by the goalkeeper and suddenly Gonzalez comes in with a sideways flying scissor kick at about head height uh, to absolutely thrash it into the top corner um, I'd never heard of him before had you? no it's in the he's 24 years old and he's come up through through Kilmes youth ranks they're the only club he's played for oh, right. 
Um, so he's suddenly come from, from nowhere um, to, I mean he may very well return to nowhere, we don't know whether he's going to do anything else, but he was a doubt for that match as well, he had an ankle injury, uh, which is why he was only on the bench, so quite a return from injury that. Yeah, I can't really ask for much more, can you? No, um, and it seals, uh, it was an impressive w- uh, performance all round really from Kiel so apart from the, the goal, San Lorenzo uh, didn't create very much, but San Lorenzo again have... They started really well. Uh, mm. they, they looked very impressive in the first round of the season. They beat and the second uh, round. Olimpo um, 2-1 yeah. at home, and it was a little unfortunate for San Lorenzo that they, they, they only won 2-1. Uh, and since then, they've fallen away as much as the other big five have. Well, the second round, they fresh racing 3-0. Three, three of course they have. Oh, right, yeah, of course. But, that but yeah. that's only racing. So that's only racing, exactly. Um, what's happening with them? Because they're another one of the sides who, like River, we said they've made fantastic signings. Yeah. Um, over the winter transfer window they have uh, I think Pizzi is a talented manager mm. and yet he can't seem to get them gelling in the same way that they did during the Donnell final when they played some of the best yeah. football in the league they finished third third, fourth fourth yeah. um, I think we were all expecting San Lorenzo to yeah. be title challenges well I think it takes time I mean compared to I think at the moment out of all the big five they're probably in the, in the best shape they play the nicest football and I think Especially, I think it's three games in a row they've lost now. Mm. I can't remember the first game they lost, but the second was that Copa Sudamerica, Sudamericana defeat against River, which I thought they were rather unfortunate to come not to come away with at least a draw from that. Yeah, I'd agree. With they that. had a lot of chances, and with Kinmas, yeah, it was kind of it was one of those games where everything the teams hit just seemed to fly in, and yeah, I think if there's any kind of doubts. It might be around the defence, but I think it's definitely up front they've got they've got more than enough quality, and I don't I think it's a blip more than um, something terminal for, for San Lorenzo. Mm. Yeah, I won't be I won't be too discouraged. Be, um, yeah. Unfortunately, of course, Mariano hasn't been able to Indeed. make it here this evening. Uh, we were looking forward to welcoming him, um, but but he's not here. Uh, so we're, we're unable to ask him for his opinion. But broadly, I I agree with with what you're saying. Actually, done. Um, not entirely convinced by Torrico in goal. Perhaps an uncontroversial thing to say after they've just conceded three goals in the last match. Um, but, but there you have it. But yeah, apart from that, I think certainly from midfield forwards, they, they, they have talent. Um, yeah. And Calterruccio Cater, has been a very good signing for them so far. Definitely. He scored against his, own, his old club, of course. He's a former Kidmes player. Mm. Yeah, I think the key for, um, for San Lorenzo as well is going to be finding out of all the forwards and creative players they have which kind of four which four uh, what the best which obviously you can't find out in two games three games um, credit to Pizzi he's been rotating a bit he's given people like Alain Ruiz some, some mm. games and Vishalba also uh, Veron who scored um, that cracking goal the, the opener Gattaruccio who's pretty much um, you know a fixed a fixed um, starter in the team Ankel Correa's been very good as well Correa's he, wasn't, he, well, he yeah. certainly wasn't last night he no. was crap last night but um but he's been very good generally yeah. uh, since, since Pizzi came in. Um, yeah, in, in terms of uh, where, whereabouts would you put the big five in terms of the hierarchy at the moment, in, where they are, who, who's the most screwed and who is the least screwed up? Well, we have to say Independiente, I guess. Independiente, yeah. Uh, Independiente, um, the most screwed. San Lorenzo, I'm guessing, we're saying at least, in spite of the fact they're not in, in great form themselves. Yeah, I'd put them up top. And... I could be very controversial and leave myself open to all sorts of accusation, accusations of bias and, and God knows what. But 
perish the thought. Despite their, um, their, their shitty form, I put Racing in general health. You reckon? They just above, the manager. Above River and Boca. Yeah, but with both Boca and River, mm. we just said maybe, you know, if they weren't who they were, uh, Bianchi would almost also. certainly be gone. Yeah. And no, sure. Diaz would be teetering on the brink. Some, some faith in the manager, as, as our friend Mr. Bielsa hinted to Racing mm. themselves. Some faith in the manager at times doesn't go doesn't go too far. But it's not but it's not faith in the it's not faith in the coach, it's faith in the name. It's faith okay. in the personality, it's not you know, any reflection of what they've done on the pitch. I'd, I'd grudgingly I think personally I'd, I'd probably yeah. put Boca second to San Lorenzo and, and say that it's between River and Racing yeah. for that third and fourth spot. Um I plump for see... I plump for Racing just because He's with the eleven no for the eleven best players they can put on the pitch, if they can find out a way for all of them to work together, they're a stronger team than either Boca or River. Oh, you wouldn't say that about River, really? No. River's midfield and, and attack is fun, and the, the defence at River is the one thing mm. that's been undeniably strong as well, arguably of all of the of the big five. Yeah. Um, River's defence has, has been fairly solid, and that might change, of course, because Daniel Passarella is attempting to sell. Adarabar Espalanta, who's the yeah. best defender we've got, even though he's 18 years old and has played about 10 or 12 first-team matches in his career. Um, he's insisting that River aren't going to get less than 7 million euros for the 80% of, of Balanta's economic rights that they have. We'll see. Um, yeah. But, but he admits that River have to, have to sell to, uh, to keep balancing the books, as indeed to everybody in Argentina. We're going to move on from the big five now anyway. Uh, that was our review of, of their historic weekend of, of five defeats for, for, for the lot of them. Um, and on to others, because, Dan, you mentioned earlier that Ricardo Caruso Lombardi is in completely uncharted territory. I think he's, he's, yeah. he's not just getting a nosebleed, he's on the verge of, of fainting from, from lack of blood pressure, um, <laughs> having lost so much of it. Vertica, uh, I think. At, at the be- in de- yes, indeed. Um, at the beginning of, of the match, which we are currently uh, not live commentating on during this, uh, which has now got eight minutes to go, um, when Newells are still leading Gimnasia 2 0. At the beginning of this match, Argentinos Juniors were top of the league. Um, I say at the beginning of the match because, regardless of the score of this match, uh, whether it had been a draw or a Gimnasia win or a Newells win, um, Argentinos were always only going to be second by the end of the, ma- of the game. But still, Caruso Lombardi involved in the title challenge. Okay, they're only four games in. Um, but since the opening day defeat to Godoy, oh, especially Cruz, they were how played, bad they were, yeah. I mean, they were played off the pitch. It, it was, uh, and we said Godoy Cruz have got a good team. They're going to go for things. Um, Martin Palermo, obviously, we, we've all said since he even got his first managerial job that he's, he's going to prove a talented manager. Um, and they've fallen away enormously since. But Argentinos have responded by not conceding a goal in the last three matches. Uh, they thrashed San Lorenzo 3-0 as we talked about last week and they got a 1-0 win at home to Tigre this week which was anything but pretty um, but it was a third win on the trot without conceding a goal in all three of them and it takes them as we say top of the league what on earth is going on? I have no idea Like I can't say I've watched a great deal of Argentinos in, in the last three weeks I think the only game I watched in any great detail was was that match funny enough against Cruz to defeat but no, I think we always know that Caruso Lombardi teams, they can be very hard to beat when they click in when, 
you know, when everyone's working together as a unit, and obviously, but they're from, hard to beat, from set, no, but then from set pieces, actually winning matches. Yeah, then they get then from set pieces, like they've been absolutely phenomenal, just uh, banging everything in. But I think you know, I don't think any of us really see Argentinos being there at the end of the season. Like I think that's too much to ask. But what's really pertinent for Argentinos, which I think Sam is going towards right now. Oh. Right now. What do you think of um, the relegation places? Well, I was actually going to look up was who they who they've beaten in these three matches because it's not as if they've played. No, they've you know, had a uh, fairly Lanús no. and, and Estudiantes and some of the really informed sides. They beat Colón two nil in the second yeah. round at home. Uh, Colón notoriously poor away form, as I hinted at yes. uh, when, I, when we were talking about the fact they've just beaten River at home. Um, then I think they also got a win away to San Lorenzo. Oh, no, that was a, no, that was a very big result. Um, sure, but as, uh, I mean, we just discussed that San Lorenzo have, have yeah. their own problems. That was before, that was them coming off two, two games in a row. Like, it was yeah. a shock at the time, and yet in hindsight it, yeah. it, it seems to be less surprising. And Tigre, who, who haven't started badly, but certainly mm. haven't found the, the form that they're going to need to find if they're going to avoid a, a relegation struggle next mm. season. Curiously uh, enough, Argentinos are this year going to play every single team who's just played racing. That's the order. Yes, yeah, they yeah. are. <laughs> so next weekend. Yeah, which yeah, could do them. Yeah, which could work in work against them because you know every team's going to come in full of confidence. <laughs> with a win behind their belt, win under their belts. So you know we'll have to see how that how that goes for them. We will but, indeed. They've got yeah. a classic on two weeks' time. Um, against all boys which is a classico it is we say so Um, yeah but yeah as I was saying as I hinted towards just now I think the big thing for Argentinos over these first six months is just going to be getting points 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 to get away from from the drop zone because they start in a very complicated position relegation zone at the moment um, is Olimpo of course at at bottom they've they've got the same uh, relegation average as Independiente they have done the B two points from four matches um, but of course if Olimpo managed to, to start putting wins together which yeah. I, I continue uh, to opine uh, during this season is, is not very likely I think Olimpo are definitely going down um, but if they were to then they would, they would climb out fairly rapidly and the next two teams above them are Godoy Cruz and Argentinos Juniors Argentinos are only two points behind Atletico Rafaela mm. and three behind all boys but it's a six point gap up to Tigre um, and then a six points beyond that so a ten point gap to Estudiantes so they've got a lot to make up assuming that Quilmes um, who were promoted last season of course and Gimnasia and Central can can keep up their current sort of uh, picking up points 3-0 to Newells by the way Um, so having just mentioned whether Gimnasia can keep picking up points we've now got them certainly losing their four four minutes to go Um, and who scored that goal that's Victor no it's not Victor Aquino he's gone off uh, that's the other Figueroa. chap, hasn't it? Figueroa, thank you very much. Well done. Cruzado. Cruzado. We had to wait for the television captions to come up with that one. We're forgetting our Newell's old boy's shirt on this. Uh, nice little finish into the corner after a bit of a goal mouth. Penalty box scramble. Yeah. Um, so it's not easy for Argentinos, and, and it sounds silly uh, with most leagues to start talking about the relegation battle this early in the season, of course. Um, but in Argentina it makes complete sense because we're already more than two thirds of the way through the relegation battle for most of the teams now Indeed. and they do have to rack up a lot of points um, if, if they're going to 
to keep going. They're pretty much up to keep up the rate they are at the moment for the season, I think. So they only got 37 last season, which is important over the whole season. It is. Yeah, you think they need 55, yeah. 60 points, definitely. Minimum. Um, yeah, 60. 60-ish, I would say, yeah. over the course of the season. Because they only got 49 in, um, in 11-12. Right. So, yeah, I can think of some God Cruz are going to find it difficult, but Rafaela, being in poor form, could help them. Ah, Rafaela in poor form. Well, uh, <laughs> they've got Rafaela beat Lanus. No, they didn't. That was the second round. <laughs> in the fourth round, they lost 2 0 at home to Newell's. As, mm. as we mentioned uh, earlier, the Tresor Gates and Golasso um, on Friday night. They have so far, Rafaela have won one match, have they? Yeah. They're still with no, they're still yes. They won one match, but they've drawn one and lost two. So that could play into Godlike Cruz yeah. and I think those hands. So I think it's probably a little too early to go into to too much detail about relegation. But oh, absolutely, yeah. Just to say, you know, uh, Argentina's positive start. It's going to be good. You know, they're not going to be thinking too seriously about the title. It's all about uh, escaping relegation this season and and giving Carol some chance to get on the the chat shows and. and like, like he needs an excuse to do that. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, he, he never does, does he? No. Um, other noticeable matches, I mean, we've mentioned all of the ones in which the yeah. five have lost already. We've already mentioned the Raphael again. Not we should say else. that before tonight, Ignacia had been uh, impressing both of us. We mentioned, uh, I've been around at Dan since uh, the start of this match almost, and, and we've been talking about how, how impressive Ignacia have looked. They, they've been going for it. They've just been, look at that possession, 73% to Newell's, which given the start that Ignacia have had to the season, really shows you that Newell's are going to mean business again in this Tottenham yeah. final. Himnasia have been pressed. I think Himnasia are going to be fine to stay up. Central yeah. at the same time, having looked very impressive in, in winning their first match, then lost two in a row, both away from home in the second and third rounds, and the weekend just gone. They were rather fortunate to beat Godoy Cruz 1-0 with a late Sebastian Abreu penalty. Um, right. Was it Peninka? It was not. And, and oh. we were, funnily enough, we were talking about it last weekend. We were mentioning the fact that Abreu always panenkas his penalties. And he didn't do this one. The goalkeeper expected him to. The goalkeeper stood in the middle, stood up for it, and Abreu smashed it into the top so corner. He'll, so he'll do it in a World Cup quarter-final penalty shooter, but not in a well, game against Jorge Cruz in uh, the Argentine Premier. Apparently he knows when to pick him, doesn't he? Because he got it right. I mean, the goal, if he had <laughs> done it, then the goalkeeper would have saved it. Um, Very true. And we were, uh, well, I was mocking him uh, last week for for always doing it when it was it was stupid. Don't mock Abreu. I can't. No, you can't mock Abreu. He's a living legend. We we were mocking South Americans who always refer to it as an Abreu rather than a Panenka. Oh, that's correct. Um, but they were rather fortunate. It was debatably awarded, and I, they really hadn't been all that great. Central, one of the sides who everybody on hand of pod was expecting to to be relatively comfortable in the relegation, <coughs> uh, relegation scrap I think we were thinking they were going to pick up more points than they've managed from these first four matches mm. um, although still 50% of points isn't that bad and so. they've won both of their home games ok yeah. they were lucky to win the last one but they won it that's it um, if they're strong at home then they're going to have no trouble to indeed one, one black spot on that match for them was that Carlos Luna uh, had to be substituted off that was why Abreu was on the pitch um, he, he replaced Luna with how long to go? Uh, let me see. With 20 minutes to play, um, Luna's got a, a hamstring uh, tear. He's, he's going to be out for several matches, which could really affect them because, uh, much as we all love Abreu, 
he's perhaps not quite as sprightly as, as Luna. Uh, I don't know if no, he's got 90 minutes and his legs every single week. Skinny, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so it remains to be seen for Centra, but certainly away from home, they've not convinced me at all. Um, and Olimpo, of course, are, are the other of the, the promoted sides who still can't get a win. Mm. Uh, Drew 1-1 with All Boys. All Boys also haven't managed to win a match yet. They've been... Well, like they've won one in the Copa Argentina, but in the league they haven't won one yet. Um, they've been disappointing. The, the new signings, uh, full-time, by the way, in Rosario, Newells have won 3-0, so there you go, they're top of the league now on 10 points. Uh, but you already knew that. One point ahead of, of Argentino San Gimnasio, both up nine after four matches. Um, the new signings for all boys have looked absolutely fine, but the, other, the others haven't. <laughs> Colasso's looked good. Um, who was the, the striker that they signed? Help me out, Edda. Come on, you can do this. You can name him before I get him up on the I can't, screen. I can't save you this time, sir. Uh, Javier Campora, well, that's Campora. what I was expecting you to help me, you see, from Racing, yes. um, who has looked decent for them as well. But they, no. they've not managed to gel enough. They, they were slightly unfortunate not to beat Rafael on opening weekend. Rafael had got a stoppage time. We should say the goal as well was a horrific mistake from um, from Cambiasso. Oh, yes, it was awful, wasn't it? Yes, I forgot about it. The, yeah. uh, the All Boys goalkeeper came up for the cross and just dropped it onto Agustin Boulet. I don't know if he dropped it or it's kind of the momentum of. Who was it? Fer. Fer. Fuletic. Fuletic, sorry. Fuletic. It was kind of, yeah, Fuletic's momentum that knocked it out of Cambiasso's hands when he didn't have full control over it, yeah. which, of course, by the letter of the law, is absolutely fine and very nicely done by the ref yeah. because. Nine times out of ten, that's wrongly called well, a cricket. There was some debate about whether Bulletich has also hit it with his, his arm on the way down. No, I don't, uh, I don't think so. I think it would have been ball to handle or anything when it had, because given that Cambiasso dropped it straight down. Yeah. Um, but it's the second clanger that um, Cambiasso's dropped in the last couple of weeks. Yes, it is. He's yeah. been throwing them in so far, which is yeah. worrying for Julio Cesar Falcioni. Another thing that's worrying is that uh, defender Jonathan Ferrari, who scored all boys' goal to put them 1-0 up after 13 minutes away to Olimpo. Um, have you heard what he's managed to throw in in the last 24 hours? He threw himself into a McDonald's. He did. Well, he threw his car into a yeah. McDonald's. Um, it apparently bounced off a couple of others and then went into a McDonald's in the middle of Palermo. Uh, did. On the corner of Godoy Cruz, which is a street mm. in, in, in Buenos Aires, as well as a, a football team in the Primera. And, and do, you know what, do you know what car he drives? It's an Audi something or other, isn't it? T- TC? Or? I was building it up because oh, it's sorry, a Ferrari. Right, yeah, it should be a Ferrari. Very disappointing. <laughs> On that atrociously uh, badly executed set up, yeah. uh, we'll the kind of assist that Racing have been playing all year. Indeed, yeah. Um, Willfully oh. smashed into Razed. On which note, we will mention very quickly that Vélez Southfield and Lanús drew nil-nil in a match in which nothing happened. And, and we, we will go care. to a break, recharge our glasses, and come back to answer some of your questions. Before we get on to your questions, we're going to talk very briefly about the uh, Argentine national football team, um, the the adult men's national football team, because the under-17s are playing in some championship somewhere or other at the moment. I thought it was under-15s. 
Is it? Bloody I know the under 15s were playing, maybe the under 17s as well. Not a clue. Anyway, oh, we're not paying attention to that. Uh, they shouldn't be playing competitive international football at that age. It's bad for their development. That's my opinion. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Interesting. They should, they should be allowed to enjoy it without the pressure, first mm. of all. Um, anyway, Alejandro Savela has, has named his uh, foreign-based players um, for the, the next World Cup qualifier against against Paraguay, isn't it? Yeah, not too uh, many surprises there, right? They're only playing once during the next double header. They've, uh, they've got the... the other round off because of the fact that they would have been playing Brazil there who of course are not involved um, and no there aren't really many surprises but I did want to big up the fact that Sabella has included Eric Lamela again he called him up uh, for the friendly against Italy uh, a couple of weeks ago um, which was a was it 2-1 yep that sounds right yeah 2-1 Correct. victory for Argentina in Rome um, and the fact that Lamela was subbed off at half time and replaced with Ricky Alvarez I think if I remember rightly yeah. um, many people saw that as a kind of Lamela's not, not done enough to impress Sabella that's going to be all we see of Lamela in the national yeah. team under Sabella because people have been calling for Lamela for a while and Sabella's not been calling him up Did Lamela go to Spurs in the end? Uh, according to this, uh, yeah. according to the AFA website, he's still a Roma player. Right. Um, I don't think it's been finalised yet, okay. so we'll see whether that, that happens. Yeah. There's still time for I think happen. one interesting thing, no Garay. I'm guessing it's because of some injury. Or suspended. Yeah, or uh, suspension. Garay, Higuain, Mascherano and someone else are suspended. Yeah, so that could be a chance for Colocini to, to yeah. put a marker down. Well, I'm be. guessing Campagnaro will start since he's kind of been in the squad longer and mm. yeah. Savella doesn't like to just throw players in willy nilly and then yeah I think the other thing I noticed about the squad was that with Viguain suspended there's no kind of natural number 9 centre forward which could open the door for Ignacio Ecoco who's Indeed, yeah. had a very good start to um, his international career because the because the, the call-ups that we've seen so far are only those who are not based in Argentina. Indeed. And from time to time, when Sabella names the, uh, the Argentina-based players, of whom there are normally only two or three, um, we also get a couple of names in from the Brazilian league. Mm. Of course, Skoko is, is now with Internacional, and he's been doing pretty well. He scored for them the other night, yeah. along with Andres D'Alessandro, mm-hmm. um, who I hear is among Internacional's top appearance Havers of all time. Yeah, he's been there for a long time. Um, I didn't realise he'd been there. 2008, I think. Yeah. Time seems to have flown by because I could have sworn he hadn't been there that long. Um, But yes, Gokko's got off to a a, a decent start from from what we've seen uh, for Internacional. I'd expect him to be in the squad, Mm. I must say. Um, So we shall see. But it's certainly a good chance for him if if, if he does get the call up. Uh, and Lionel Messi's in, in spite of his yes. current uh, injury worries. Although, having said that, he is expecting to start the Spanish Super Cup against Atletico Madrid, um, which is at six o'clock Buenos Aires time on on Wednesday evening. So, whether that's going to be happening before or after this gets uploaded, we don't know. But is that going to be on Direct TV again for you, Lords Lords of Television? It is indeed. Yes, fantastic. Um, at least you can watch Racing Lanús later on the night. Yeah. Yes, enjoy that. Yeah, uh, we've got a couple of Copa Sudamericana matches. There's Dan Hints as well. Racing Lanús. Uh, Lanús have two on uh, with two away goals advantage from the first leg, mm-hmm. and we've also got Vélez against Belgrano with Belgrano leading one nil but not having an away goal. Um, how are those going to go, Dan? Who do you think is going to go through mm-hmm. to the second round? Racing are going to win one nil and go out, mm-hmm. and Vélez are going to win two one and go through. Okay. Well, if they win 2-1, they'll go out, because... Uh, oh, of course they will, yeah. Okay, they're going to win 2-1 and go out. 
Um, which is interesting because there's a, a, a Twitter account called La Farsa del Football, the, the football farce, uh, which claims that Vélez have already bought this year's Copa Sudamericana from Conmebol. He claims he claimed before the semi-finals of the Libertadores that Atletico Mineiro were going to win it, right. and that he correctly predicted uh, both scorelines in the final. So personally, I'm going to be supporting Belgrano tomorrow night. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow night or Thursday night? I think it's Thursday night. Um, purely because I don't want it. Uh, I mean, if he is right, I wouldn't be particularly surprised. But I don't want him to be right. Right. Um, so we'll we'll update you on that next week. Uh, and now, listeners, questions. We've only had a couple. We've got one from uh, Viva Fantastma, who I did ask to send this to the hand of pod handle, not my own, and he's not done. But I still remember it being sent to my own one. So um, I'm feeling generous. So here you go. He asks, what what next for Subaldia? Well, unless he wants to serve as a body double for David Guetta. It's a very good, you know, could be a decent career move for him. Given this is an audio podcast without pictures, Danny might want to explain that joke. Nothing. As much as anything for people who don't know what David Guetta looks like, because I didn't until he showed me the picture. It's not speak for itself, he's an absolute dead ringer for David Guetta. Mm. There you go. <laughs> no, um, he's a, a very good manager, like still young, I think he's what, 31? Indeed, and yeah, he's, he's really, really young. He started managing when he was 27. Um, yeah, he'll be back and he'll be back with another team I know he was doing pretty well in Barcelona de Guayaquil in Ecuador before coming to Racing so he'll get back on the old managerial merry-go-round and yeah keep you know keep improving I think he's got a lot to learn still I think in Racing he did you know some some things excellently like his promotion of youth and some things not so excellently and uh, I think he's a hard worker and he's going to learn from the mistakes Definitely experience in Racing is going to teach him a lot. Mm. And he's yeah, still one of the best young manager to coaching talents at Argentina has. And in 10 years' time, he's still going to be considered relatively young for a manager. Oh, well, yeah. Completely. So it's, it, it's not like we're, uh, we're talking about someone who's already washed up and hasn't got a hope at another big job no, in no, the future. No. Uh, no. Potentially a, a really, really good career ahead of him still. Yeah. Uh, we've got one from Cormac T, who says he watched Kimmes versus San Lorenzo and says that there were three additional minutes added, and then two minutes in, they added another one. Mm. He claims he's never seen this before, and does it only happen in Argentina? Um, no. It happened on Monday evening during Manchester United against Chelsea, because Chelsea made a stoppage time substitution. Uh, I'm not really sure. There was no substitution made during that match, but it must have just been a stoppage. Yeah, stoppage. an injury. or Sometimes I've seen it done Either a lot out, for um, time. Publico just put the wrong amount of stoppage time up in the top left, which mm. has happened before. Yeah. Um, no, I've seen it done a few times for, um, for time-wasting. Mm. And that's when I've actually been in the stadium. Uh, one of the goalkeepers, you know, the winning one, let's say, holds onto the ball too long in a, in a goal kick. Referee comes up, shows him the yellow card, obviously, that disrupts the game he has to go back and take it so signals and then they hold the board up for one minute more Indeed. so no completely normal and completely right and I wouldn't say it's exclusive to Argentina no. it's perhaps more done, done more shamelessly in Argentina they don't bother to explain it they just pop it up on the screen and you have to put up with it um, one thing they do do in Argentina all the time is the referees frequently blow up like 10 seconds before the stoppage time is finished yeah this the the referee actually blew up. I think, I think it was the Independiente game, one of the games in the B at the weekend. The referee blew up for half time 
didn't add any stoppage time on at all and blew up with the, the television clock, which I realise is not official, reading 44 minutes and 52 seconds and the referee for half time. <laughs> um, the only other question we've had is from Andreas B1897, who says, How do you guys think Duvan Zapata's transfer to Napoli will affect his Studiantes season? Um, we've half mentioned that already because we've talked about Guido Carriccio. Uh, it's almost not going to affect them at all because it's not like they've been playing with Zapata so far. He scored in the first round of matches for them and he's not played since. Um, and I think they're already a long way along along the um, the path towards finding the guy who's going to replace them. I don't know what you think, Dan. But. I think, obviously, a talent like Zapata, for me, he's, you know, he was one of the most exciting players in, in the Primera. He's, he's going to be missed. Definitely, mm. you know, maybe not immediately, but you know, he's a guy you can get your goals, and he also adds something really exciting to a team. And obviously, yeah, for that reason, he's he's going to be missed. But as we said, um, Estudiantes are looking very strong, um, organised. Obviously, they've had the boost of having um, Juan Sebastián Verón back this year, which is massive for them. And I think, yeah, they'll they'll ride it out, and they they should be able to recover. Yeah, especially with Cadarisho in the kind of form that he is at the moment. Um, a couple of stats that we've got on the hand for Twitter timeline from DataFootArg, who are our favourite uh, non-hand pod uh, Twitter account, from the Newell's game that's just finished, saying that Newell's old boys had 73% possession against Gimnasia y Prima de la Plata, which is the highest recorded by Football para todos according to their stats, mm. since last season. Um, Football para todos. Uh, calculate their possession stats in a slightly different way to a lot of a lot of other statistic websites, but uh, that's that's one thing. The other is how many different goal scorers do you reckon Newells have had in these opening four matches? Done. How many goals have they scored? Give me a clue. Uh, let me see. That's a very good question. I, I'll just clarify for listeners, by the way, that Dan cannot see the computer screen at the moment. Uh, they've scored eight goals. Eight goals. I reckon they've had. Seven different scorers. They've had eight different goal scorers, yeah. and that is more than anyone else in the top division, which isn't surprising given that it's eight it's different goals. The scores. maximum. <laughs> um, the the most that anyone else has got is that there are five different teams who've had four goal scorers. Right. Different. So Newells have got goals yeah. throughout the team. So that's basically the tactic for replacing Skokel. Indeed. Make everyone score goals. Absolutely. Yeah, sound. Uh, it's working fine for them so yeah. far. They're top of the league, as, as we mentioned. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much the same goal average, let's say, that they were that they averaged in the uh, final. It is, yeah. Two goals a game. So far, yeah. Yeah. Four, 40 goals over 19 matches. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Eight, eight four is, yeah. Uh, the next thing that you will hear is Mystic Sam's theme music. The next human voice you will hear is not that of me, it is that of Mystic Sam. Interesting matches this weekend. I'm going for Newell's old boys to beat Estudiantes on Friday evening. They've just played on Tuesday and they've got to play the very next match. It's the first match of the next round, which is a bit harsh. Um, Tigre to get a home win against Quilmes. Sticking the neck out of it, but there we go. All boys against Racing. Do you want to make a prediction on that one, though? I couldn't even begin to, to predict. Both have been poor so far, both are waiting for their first wins, and I'm going to go for Ras- uh, for all boys, sorry, to, to break their duck. Thank you. Uh, Gimnasia versus Godoy Cruz, I think, is going to be a 
draw, given what we've just seen from Ignacio Newells. Colón versus Rosario Central, uh, home win. You know, Santa Fe, sort of not classical, but a clash of two Santa Fe sides, anyway, provincial sides. Uh, Boca Juniors against Vélez Sarsfield, I think is going to finish all square. San Lorenzo against River Plate, which is the second in this sort of series of three matches. Um, they've already River have already got a 1-0 win away in the Copa Sudamericana. The second leg of that is back at the Monumental in uh, about a week's time. I think it's next Wednesday. Uh, but before then, they have to play on Sunday. Um, and I think that that one's going to be a draw. Uh, Arsenal against Argentinos I think both uh, both defences have been stronger than anything for those two sides so that's going to be a draw as well Belgrano against Rafaela draw I'm going for plenty of draws this week and finally Lanús versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca uh, I'm going to say a, a home win for that one Lanús to, to get their second league win of the season um, any that you particularly agree or disagree with on that Dan? Well, I think you've definitely sat on the fence there with River against San Lorenzo. Yeah, what would you Again, with? yeah, I'd tend towards a San Lorenzo win at home. Okay. I think they've got enough. But again, you know, it's one of those games where any of the three results wouldn't surprise. But I think you've definitely hedged your bets with a draw there. As a lot of this week's podcast was dedicated towards pointing out, they've both been pretty crap so far. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Arsenal... Uh, I wouldn't sorry, s- no, I wouldn't say San Lorenzo have been cr- crap. Hot and cold would be the word for San Lorenzo. Maybe. I, I, I think more cold than hot. but um, More recently cold, definitely. Hmm. We'll see how it goes anyway. Um, anything to add before we go? No, I'd just like to say on behalf of my house, if what they say, <laughs> if, walls could, if the walls could speak, Indeed. these would be protesting about having to put up with so much drunken talk and above everything in English, so, you know, they're Argentine walls. And they don't understand anything. But this place has been a very gracious host, and I'll always be, I'll always be proud to have hosted the very first Tanner Pod. Indeed, um, and it's been a pleasure recording here Thanks. on the many, many occasions that we have. Uh, we've lasted nearly three years in this house. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have a lot of new ones in the new house whenever Indeed. I can find time to record. Who's hoping? Oh, we just have one more question. Luis Bessone, getting in, I mean, literally seconds before the end of recording, asks, when is Milton Casco going to get the opportunity to play left-back for the national team? Hmm. Oh, it's Casco. Let's look him up. Milton Helmet, as the boys at uh, yeah. NFL Paradoros call him, because that's what Casco means in Spanish. Yeah. Uh, he is, oh, 1988, so he's uh, 25. 25. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it might be a while. Well, it can't be that much longer, right? Um, yeah. It's going to be tough for him to get into contention now before the before the World Cup. But mm. maybe looking forward, you know, if he can, he can kind yeah. of get his way, you know, I think. Possibly especially the next Copa yeah, America. I think, especially playing in defence, like Argentine coaches always tended towards defenders from Europe. So yes. it's going to be the move to Europe and then... And then but what the could give them the advantage is the fact that there really aren't very many options at fullback. Of course, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I'm sure um, Luis Bersani doesn't want to hear it, but he's probably got to get away from Niels if he wants to really advance his international chances. Mm. Not taking any way for anything away from Niels because they're 
as they proved tonight, they're by far the best team still in, in Argentina for me. But he's not going to get the media clamouring for him. Unless, exactly, unless especially not in himself. Rosario. Mm. Was, yeah, I'd say if he was playing for Boca or River, he'd, you know, the press would be banging down the door, banging down Sevilla's door to get him in. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that at all. Uh, on that note, it's it's goodbye from the venue. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye from Zombie, who's not appeared. I don't, I don't know whether he's even home tonight, actually. Um, for the final time on Hat the Pod. Indeed. And for certainly not the final time on Hat the Pod, it's uh, goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye, and we, I will catch you the next time. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>